Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and here with me as always is my good friend, the guy's best man, uh, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Good, thanks, Johnny. Uh, everything is going well over here. How about yourself? Going well too. I think I've actually caught up with you for two Zoom coffees since I, um, I promised it at the end of the last podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We um, very much have made the most of it, catching up with our, I guess, our our work crew from um, our graduate jobs, um, which has been good. Good to see all the boys and um, most of them doing pretty well. Um, but that said, still, uh, you know, some some scary stuff going on there anyway. But, yeah, uh, overall, um, it was great to see the boys and great to have a chat with you. Always good to have a coffee with you, actually. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I always like like our catch-ups. I mean, it's a bit different when we, uh, when we actually catch up with our friends on the call as well just because i'm so used to talking one-on-one with you so when we're on a zoom call with a group of friends it's almost a bit weird i'm always like they're sitting in on a private conversation so um i'm sure i'll get used to it um but mental health minute how have you been going for the last week yeah look um i think last time i mentioned that it was a it was probably the that previous week was the week it all set in and um i very much think that's the the case so this week um very much a, a good a good week um i think we're starting to hit a bit of a good routine um in my household so we you know um I, unfortunately i hurt my ankle uh a week and a half ago so i haven't been able to get out and do walks but i've been able to do a bit of other exercise inside the house and um, my wife and daughter have been off doing their walks every day just to try and um i guess keep their mental health in check so you know it's important to do a bit of bit of exercise or at least just wander around the block to to clear the head but um this week i'll be back and strolling around the block and maybe even uh hopefully towards the end of the week the ankle will let me start running a bit more and um yeah other than that work's going well we're very busy haven't been uh, held up too much so we're we're still full steam ahead at the moment in my work and um it's just more working from home and um learning to do things that I guess we used to just go and do physically at site or, you know, in person, um, having to do that more via different means. So, you know, I did a site inspection this week via a, uh, a FaceTime call and, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, just all a bit different. And then, you know, um, when I do have to go to site, it's all about, you know, keeping physical spacing. So um, I did an inspection at one site and, I did it after the crew had all knocked off, so um, basically I'm I'm there in my high vis, uh, walking around a, a job site by myself, in uh, in gloves and a and a P2 mask, and you know uh, it's very interesting. Probably looked very strange to people driving past, but uh, no, it's all all in the name of uh, of preventing the spread. So all going well, and I think we've adjusted quite well. So how about yourself, mate? Uh, how's it all going over at the uh, the Van Norden household? Uh, the Van Norden Frangos household, mate. Frangos, um, sorry, my apologies, yeah, Amy. Yeah, yeah, she didn't didn't take uh, didn't take my last name when we got married, and 
Um, so we have to be have to be all over that kind of stuff. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, it's been an interesting week. So I took this week. Um, I think I might have mentioned that I was taking a couple of weeks of annual leave. Um, it was one of the things that business is doing um, is just asking people uh, to help out by taking annual leave. Um, so I was happy to do that, and I just took it straight away. Uh, and I've been painting, um, so painted a fence um, pretty poorly. I might have to go back and touch it up. Um, do you, need, do you need a spray gun, mate? I've got a spray gun here. Potentially. Um, so the areas that I've done poorly are in between the posts because it's like a... Um, it's not just like a standard uh, a standard fence post. It's got like the gaps between each post, yep. um, and trying to fit a roller in between that has been painful. Um, so I might take you up on that. I'll, I'll I'll see how I go this week. I bought a thinner roller. I'm hoping that I can just cut off all the edges and go from there. <laughs> um, but it's been it's been quite relaxing. Um, I. I um, found a basketball hoop that's still up. Did I tell you about that basketball hoop thing that happened to me two weeks ago? Yeah, where you went there and they'd taken the and they'd take, taken it down. Yeah, I found one um, bit of concrete and uh, and a basketball hoop near um, Southland Shopping Centre um, at the park, direct diagonally across the road from that. Um, just so up, just off went, Chesterville Road. Yep. Um, so I went over there and um, shot hoops for half an hour by myself. Played horse and I was terrible at it. I can't even beat myself at horse. Um, <laughs> not not even competitive with myself. I, I can't hit two shots in a row anymore. But um, it was nice. It was just this period where I could completely sink into thinking about uh, one task and and sort of lose myself in it. So I, I really enjoyed that. I'll probably do that a little bit more. I'm taking this week off as well, so I'll try to get there maybe a couple of times and just sort of yeah, give myself a break from giving myself a break, um, if that makes sense. But no, I'm, I'm going okay, mate. Um, I'm going. I'm going well. I'm cooking a lot, which is nice. I think we're, we're both trying to cook a lot at the moment. Yeah, well, we've uh, we're kind of you know a bit of a fortunate position where we've still got um, leftovers from from uh, people's kind cooking when when our daughter was born. So um, the stress of cooking for us hasn't been huge. We've been able to. We've got still probably got like oh, we're down to our last few meals in the freezer, but. Uh, it's been really good, um, but yeah, I have I've been asking all the boys for recipes because it's about time to start doing a few big cook-ups. So um, I think there was a lamb ragu recipe that came through, and I think you were sending me one as well, John. So yeah, I, I'm usually pretty good on sharing recipes. I do love a good recipe. That's it. Um, um so I mean, just to start the episode, I'll cover off a couple of things that we've been talking about over the last few episodes. Um, so a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about the draft, um, and there's been some good, robust conversations um, online this week uh, about the draft age and what to do with the draft. Um, so I just thought we'd just cover off on those topics. Did you have any thoughts on them? Yep, yep. Um, definitely some very robust Twitter debates. So uh, I thank uh, everyone involved in a couple of the different threads I've been in on. Um, certainly by no means is there a bad idea uh, in this situation and um, plenty of people have have given a lot of good opinions and and it's been really good for me to to hear a lot of different opinions I guess because the more you kind of hear and learn the the more rounded you can you can make your uh, understanding and I guess the more you understand the better the solution I guess you can propose 
um, probably something that, that came out of, I guess, the discussions and something that John and I have, have spoken about a lot. And it's probably a slight change in position for me, but it's probably um, very much in line with what John's thinking was. But I guess what we're thinking this year, um, based on the fact that we're probably um, going to not see a lot of under-18s this year, um, no matter what happens with the game this year, whether we play games or not, um, and if they cut the lists or they don't cut the lists, um, they should just lift the age of the NAB League to under-19s um, and all the other um, leagues around the country should do the same, which I think I think in South Australia and Western Australia, the Colts are under-19s. Um, so by lifting the NAB League to under-19s, you'd actually um, bring it more in line with what happens around the state. And even in Victoria, um, a lot of the... Um, suburban leagues have under 19s rather than under 18s so um we're not saying drop under 16s leave under 16s as it is and then just widen the the top pool to three years um and we're saying that we should leave the draft age at 18 so that way i guess this came out of a really robust conversation i was having with a few people around um i guess the concern that lifting the draft age to 19 would uh, disadvantage um interstate kids who finish school a year earlier than they do in Victoria. Um, and yep. I think it's a point that you've made pretty clearly in the past, John, of saying, well, if you raise the NAB League age to under-19s, and that includes the under-18 championship would become an under-19 championship, then naturally only the best 18-year-olds are going to get drafted. And a lot of the times the speculative picks will be allowed to mature for another year. Um, and I think in a lot of ways it's probably going to benefit a lot of kids because having a year where you can just focus on your footy and you're not trying to balance it with school um, is very important. Um, we saw, you know, Jack Higgins forego his year 12 so he could focus on footy and that's all he wanted to do. Um, and, you know, to his credit, he was one of the best players that year, got drafted. Uh, first round by Richmond um, and burst onto the scene and did all the right things Um, but you know for his own life I guess it would have been preferable for him to finish year 12 in general Um, if that's what he wanted to do I guess probably not trying I don't know the guy so I don't know if that's exactly but I guess our, our ideal system has people finish year 12 and not having to make a decision between football and schooling they can do both yeah, exactly. If you're gonna, for me, if you're gonna, um, if there's nothing to do for football, then the the extra year of uh, going and working, like as in, if you still drop out of school at seventeen because the school's not for you, then probably having two years before, or like you get a year before you're drafted, but you might take up a trade or um, or go and work in a professional job for a couple of years. Like you just get different perspective um, from having that additional time. Yep. Yep. So then I guess what happens with the actual draft? So we've said uh, raise the under-18 to under-19s and to leave the draft age as it is. So if there is no more football played this year and there is list cuts, so let's say they they cut the list back to, um, call it arbitrarily, 37 or 36 or something, Um, if there's a list cut, then my belief is that they should move this year's draft out by one year so there'd be no draft this year. Um, except for mature ages. So you'd have a mature age preseason draft only and you'd shift the draft out one year, which means that 
all the pick swaps and trades and everything get pushed out a year. And then in conjunction with widening the pool to an under-19s NAB League pool next year, all your top ages will still be playing in the NAB League. They'll still play in the National Carnival um, and they'll have the best of the next group coming through with them. Um, it will mean that next year's draft will be incredibly strong. So, But at the same time, people who have traded to get two first-round picks will have the option of getting two very strong players. And it also means that the people that have traded away those first-round picks and have got second round, the depth in the pool is still there for them to get a very good player. Um, and that that is probably the most, I guess, controversial bit of what we're going to talk about. Um, but it basically, it, it would be effectively rather than trying to work out all the pick swaps and the trades and who's disadvantaged and who's gaming the system and da-da-da-da, you just say, all right, we're only doing a preseason draft for mature age players only. Um, the national draft is moving out a year and the other changes are in uh, and are brought in. So that's if there's no games and a list cut. If there's no game, yeah. If there's no games and no list cut, then run the draft as normal. So, yeah. Um, the way we spoke about of the way to decide your positions would be using a lottery-based system um, and all the swaps and trades stand as per last year, which means that a team like Melbourne, which will have a high percentage chance of getting a top four pick based on last year's ladder order um, and a lottery system, they've effectively traded a top four pick um, to, the, to the Kangaroos. Um, yep. And that's just what it is. Um, at the end of the day, that was a chance of happening. So if you go through a lottery-based system and that's what happens, then that's what happens. Yeah. I, I, for me, I think that there's there's a couple of ways that you could do it to sort of flatten that as well because I know that making a doubly strong pool just doubly values the, the early picks in that following year's draft because you've effectively got two draft pools worth of early pick talent. Yep. Um, so... For me, that there's a couple of ways that you could manage that. One is that I know that they've talked about having just two rounds of the draft. Um, I was thinking that you could possibly have uh, just like one. Um, and if you did just one round of the draft, you push back. Uh, and I guess you'd have to actually ask clubs this. Um, might be on a case-by-case basis. Well, it's pretty hard to do on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, um, this is this is the problem. That- no. So, so you, you either go just one round of the draft, uh, lottery or... I mean, lottery based on last year's order, uh, and everyone gets a pick. So the, the traded picks push back a year, um, and there's just one round of the draft. So the following year's draft will be doubly as... Like, almost doubly as strong. But each club still gets to add an 18-year-old or um, a mature age player, anyone that's nominated for the draft this year um, I just, as well. I, I just think that, and, and this is kind of where it comes from, if, you, if you're going to cut back the lists, a lot of teams are going to struggle. If you cut the list back to, say, 36 or 35, a lot of teams are going to struggle um, with contracts to be able to cut those lists back. Um, yeah. And... And so, you know, potentially North Melbourne might have, I don't, I don't know what the contract situation is, but let's say they've got 35 guys on contract for next year and you cut the list, list back to, to 36, they've only got one spot left and they've got two first-round picks or three first-round picks, whatever it is. So, you know, it, it just becomes very difficult. As soon as you introduce a list cut and then you're forcing clubs to bring in players, I think you just have to, and there's no games, for example, yeah, I, th- I, I think th- I think the, you just have reason, to move it out. 
the reason I like one or two rounds um, is to dilute the draft. Not just to dilute the pool, but when you think about um, picks as well. So, uh, not picks, sorry, that's way too vague. When you think about father, son, and academy selections, doubling the strength of a pool also increases an additional penalty for having one of those players. So, for example, Jamara Ugelhagen this year uh, swallows up the dog's pick plus some points. Um if, that, if the draft doesn't happen at all next year and it happens the following year, it might swallow up two picks um, or two or three picks in the one draft, which it would do this year anyway, but it's in a double draft. So effectively, you're sliding out of the first and second round in two drafts um, and the third round probably. So you're getting in at the fourth round of this mega draft rather than copying it all in one year and then the following year being back on a level playing field with everybody else. But, I know that but, having academy players is an advantage, but... But your pool... You, remember, they're getting one, they're getting a 20% discount on this kid. Two, the pool is stronger. So therefore, say you end up with a third round and a fourth round pick, they would be the equivalent of a previous year of having a second and an early third. Like your, your pool is stronger, your depth is there, at the end of the day, you're getting if you had if you, you you will end up with more out of that draft than you would have if you had have sacrificed a whole year for for him. The, let me put it this way: the people that don't have academy players will benefit more than those that do have academy players at the moment. And, and I guess that's leveling the playing field because <laughs> it it's um we we not necessarily advocates for the discount in the academy system anyway. Um, it's just. It's the added complexity of um, what doing it all next year would look like. I mean, you think about it from the Swans' perspective as well, having multiple academy players that could go early. Again, it could end up in a situation where they only get those two players and they're pushed way out to the back end of the draft because of academy bids and matching and everything. Whereas that would happen this year uh, and then they would get to be back in next year and it would be back to the normal again. But at the same time, if you, if you treat all clubs the same... And you and you. So if you're cutting your list back, yeah. How what I what I would look at is yeah. going. If you're bringing your list size back, how are the Swans going to accommodate those three players this year? If they've got yeah, thirty five guys on contract, so and I guess so I'm I'm also is, yeah. No, just look, sorry to finish. I just let me finish my thought process because I, I I need to start, speak it out. If you're doubling the pool size, uh, effectively, the following year's draft, the pool size is doubled, the talent size is doubled, then all of those picks theoretically slide back. Um, so if they were worth pick 10, they're now worth pick 20. Yep. Um, because there's twice as many players, so the the cost for them is lower. The only people that that doesn't affect is probably Ugo Hagen, um, like the people at the real pointy end. In which case, the penalties should be higher for getting access to those players if you're the Bulldogs, which might be a top four club anyway. So yep. I, um, I've changed my mind. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. You came full circle. but Yep, I did. All right. Then the final one, just to run through quickly, if there is games, which we think there will be, um, run the draft per normal, minimum of three rounds. So don't cut it back to two rounds. You want three rounds of the draft minimum. And that that effectively keeps into with what the clubs are doing anyway. Um you know, typically the 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 draft doesn't go deep into the fourth round anyway. So, if you just make it three rounds of the draft, and then if you if you're going to cut lists back, they're going to have to allow clubs the ability to break contracts a year early. 
um, and yeah, they'd probably have that, yeah. they'd probably have to caveat it to to say the bottom fifty percent of earners. Um, you know, so clubs you know who have a cumbersome um, large contract that that they might want to get rid of, um, they can't just cut that one. Um, it, it's more, I guess, yeah. You just have to give the clubs the ability to break contracts a year early because uh, at the moment there's no flexibility and part of the reason why delaying the draft would appeal to me if I was a recruiter is because it gives me a year to actually plan my list management properly. It gives me a year to figure out how to construct my contracts, how to understand my new salary cap, um, how do I fit a reduced list size with um, with the players I need to come in. So I need to bring in three players. I need six guys off contract, da 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 whatever that looks like. Um you know, it just gives them the more time you give list management, the better the outcome will be for the football club rather than a bit of a turkey yep. shoot. Um, yep. And if you're going to run a draft this year and cut lists, then I think you have to allow the club's list management team a bit of flexibility around potentially um, ending contracts a year early. Um, and I mean, personally, I don't think they should be cutting back the list size. I think that the main list size is fine. The rookie list, I guess, you know, we've been advocates for the rookie list to be turned into a main list for a few years. Um, but it may just be killed off out of this COVID stuff. So um, I guess, yeah, I'd like to see the main list kept at 40. And, and part of my reasoning is that we don't have the contract structure in place in the AFL um, or the second competition structures in the AFL that allow... Um, I guess free agent ten games, ten day signings, like they do in the NBA, um, and that sort of stuff. Because if you cut list size back to thirty five, there's guaranteed there's going to be a club at some point in the year that'll need another ruckman, or they'll need another forward, or a backman, or a midfielder, or whatever it is, um, because uh, they'll just simply not have anyone who can do that role. Um, so yeah, uh, I think basically, you know. We're going to end up with games. We're probably going to run the draft as normal, cap it at three rounds, um, and I guess just give the list management teams a bit of flexibility around uh, contracts that are expiring in the following year. If you're going to cut this back by one year, uh, by by a certain sorry, if you're going to cut this back, um, give them the flexibility. Yeah. If you're not, leave it as is. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan of at least leaving it as is for a, for a full season because. You're right in the terms that a bad contract, um, a, a club could use any sort of concession to dump a bad contract early even. So say somebody has two years left on a contract and it's a bad contract and you have a caveat that allows you to finish contracts a year early or even two years early to shape your list the right way, then they'll just dump that contract even though they might have kept that player for another two years on that contract. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. I mean... They'll, they'll obviously compensate the players. Um, it might not be at one hundred percent of their salary, but they'll compensate uh, the players. I think if you're going to break contract, you kind of you probably have to pay it out in full. You may not have to pay pay performance clauses, but I think if maybe if you're going to do the right thing, you'll you'll. I, I just well, think- I just mean you know players aren't getting their full salary this year, and if it's a, a retrenchment sort of arrangement, because um, that could, that's what it could be like a redundancy, um, because the AFL is changing the rules uh, and, and making it different for a new year or they're no longer required as part of their employment. 
um, then you could see different arrangements in place, um, which which would happen with a list size cut. Like there would be redundancies in, in employment law. Yep. Um, it's just whether, like, what the right thing to do is by those players, because I mean, you, as I said, you could see players say this was two years ago and you had Josh Jenkins on your list, like someone like that, Adelaide in a rebuilding phase with a big contract um, on their books might just choose to cut him early and he'll be able to re-sign with another club at a lower salary. But it's just working out whether that's fair to allow a club that signed a bad contract to dump that or whether it should just be, um, you know, most contracts are extended at least for another 12 months and it's just allowed to play out in the fullness of time depending on what happens this year. Anyway, we've probably spent enough time um, focusing on this stuff, but it was good to sort of rehash over it now that we've had a bit more time to think about it and play it out as it comes out in the media as well. But this episode, um, the back half of this episode is going to be focusing on the advantages and disadvantages of this break as far as the team is concerned. So um, whether having a big break like this is going to benefit your team or, um, I guess, bring your team back to the pack. Um, yeah. So we've done we've done this in a couple of ways by obviously like we've been talking about this for a few weeks since it was suggested by a listener. Uh, can you remember the listener's name? No, it was an email to you, mate. It was an email to me. I'll find it um, and we'll thank them. Um, but effectively, it was um, a lot of the data points that we're using is just. But, uh, like analyzing who we believe is their best 22, uh, how far they were away from that best 22 in round one, how much closer they're going to be to that by the time that they, uh, we assume that games get played again. Yep. Um, and whether you were in a good position beforehand or not, um, I guess that's the basis. Yep. So I guess probably to preface it all, um, all out of the first round, all uh, 18 clubs had injury lists of some description um, with a risk of round two players missing. Um, multiple, I don't think, oh, sorry, St Kilda was the only club that went into round one with no injuries, I believe, if memory serves me correct. Um, so basically every club had some sort of injuries. Now, when assuming games return per the, our podcast the other week within... I think we said it's about eight weeks from today, so it'll be mid-June. Um, nine of the 18 clubs will have no injury lists at that time based on the most recent injury list uh, we have available to us. Um, of the nine remaining clubs who have injuries, um, four of them only have a single injury and um, they may be touch and go, some of them. Another... another um, three have uh, three injuries and then two have two injuries. So um, effectively half half the AFL will come in with uh, no injuries and then um, the other half will have injuries. So uh, I guess that's the kind of overall data. So most clubs naturally will improve, but it's I guess it's how you improve against the rest of the pack. So starting off with Adelaide, um, the only player injured out of the first round was Riley Knight or I think he may have been injured beforehand. Um, he's on track, basically, to be ready to go beforehand. Uh, the, the Crows' uh, overall list average age is 23.9 years. Their games played average is 57.8. In round one, it was 25.3 years and 94 games average. And based on our 
picked best 22. Their, um, their best 22 average is 26.1 years and 109.3 games. So if they pick their best 22 based on what we see it as um, versus round one, they are naturally going to be in a much better spot based on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when we're, I mean, you've just talked us through it. Um and this is our first example of it. So, do you have you got Riley Knight in the best twenty-two, or is this other players coming back? Um, Riley Knight, hang on. Yes, he is in the best twenty-two. So, yeah, 50, twenty-five years old and fifty-four games. So he'll he'll naturally um, improve their their stats. Now, did he play round one? That's probably the only question I have because. It's been a while since round one, strangely enough, and my memory is not serving me well at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Sorry, I should have brought up the um, Riley. I don't think Riley oh, Knight did, played round play. one. He didn't play. No. Um, yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah. You can see the improvement there. So Riley Knight, he's not the only one who's going to come back into their side to improve them. He he himself doesn't bump their average up like that. Um, but yeah, it'll be. It'll be interesting with the Crows because, I mean, I guess on a best 22 averages, just looking at the experience and age profile, they're actually uh, kind of mid, mid-pack mid on their best 22. So I know they, they um, I think they lost to Sydney in that game. And, um, yeah, probably if they're able to come back with a full squad, um, depending on who they play, they're very much a, a, a decent threat for a lot of the... I guess the uh, the clubs who are bouncing out of rebounds, so your Carlton's, your Brisbane's, your Melbourne's, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think they're going yeah, to. Yeah, Crow, Crows are an interesting club. Um, I mean, I think that every team that had injuries will improve. Um, it'll allow them all to roll out whoever is their real best twenty-two. Yeah. Um, assuming, and I mean, I guess we're also skewing, um, we're skewing towards more games and older. Just because there's the there's definitely the sense that um, those players uh, will be able to deal with the time away from the club better. Um, so you compare somebody. I think the comparison you did was Silk um, versus Rosie, or I think Robbie Gray versus Rosie. Given they're both at the same club, is pretty easy. Um, Rosie, although he's committed, highly talented, all those sort of things, doesn't have the same fitness base um, over years and years of doing it and also the practice for doing it for so long um, whereas the more experienced guys generally know how to look after their bodies um, by the time they're pretty deep in their career they're used to having the distractions of family and things like that around because they're at that phase of life whereas the younger kids are used to just being fully immersed in the footy club um, in their first few years while they get um, a lot of gains from the experience side of things uh, so it'll probably be a little bit harder for them to come in, and I guess it makes a bit more sense for the clubs to be playing slightly more senior players when you come straight back into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess probably a takeaway for Adelaide is they they had a light injury list going into it, but they're going to come back in a very strong position, um, almost a full year older and, and 15 games more experience, um, which is really good for them. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to Brisbane. Brisbane, out of the first round, they had uh, Birchall and uh, who well, Martin was Martin a late, played the first. Late, 
yeah. scratching. Late, and then late scratching and Martin who played yeah. and injured his knee during the game. Yep. So um, Martin, yeah. they, I mean, we, we need a bit of an update on this one. Um, we've assumed that he's not going to play in eight weeks because they felt that he had, may have damaged his PCL. And if that's the case, based on, um, I guess, previous PCL injuries, usually they're typically eight to 12 weeks. So I would say that he would, if, if AFL is back in eight weeks, he's probably not going to be in a position to play. So we've excluded Steph Martin from their stats, which means that their um, average age in round one was was 24.9 years and 87.8 games. Um, and obviously with Birchall coming in and Martin going out of that side, pretty much it's uh, 25.2 years, so they're slightly older, um, and 92.7 games. So they've had a few more games, which will be naturally due to Birchall, who's, I think, uh, got uh, higher games played than um, Steph Martin. So, um, yeah, yeah, he would. He'd have, I think, Birchall would be around the 250. Oh, they might be around the, same, around the same mark. There's a few. No, um, they're not even close. 70 games difference. Okay. Same, same, yeah, yeah. same. So, Steph Martin slightly older, but um, yeah, there's two hundred, there's seventy games different. Steph Martin was struggling at Melbourne for years as well, so yeah. I and mean, it's also it's probably worth bringing up at this stage as well that um, while we use games as a gauge for um, general performance um, or as one of the indicators, um, you can tell from that difference of comparison that uh, Steph Martin is more valuable to the Lions than Grant Birchall. Um, purely by the sense that the the difference between Birchall and their next running back versus Martin and their next ruck is greater. Um, So Yeah, well, you lose Steph Martin and you bring in Archie Smith. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whereas you lose Birchall, you might be playing Callum Archie, who wasn't there in the first game. Yeah. Um, So there's there's a lot more more options. And I I guess Um, when Steph's fit, and if Steph was fit, they they would be, you know, they're – their best 22 would then be an average age of 25.6 and 100.5 games. So you can see the impact of those two players on their on their overall um, uh, averages. They're, they're two 30, I think they're both almost, I think, both, I think Steph's 33 and Birchall's almost 33. Um, and they're both, you know, 180 and 250 games. So um, huge experience older players so they're very important to this sort of metric and um, I think probably the main thing for Brisbane out of this if Steph Martin's not fit I don't think they're going to be better in round two than they were in round one yeah which is I guess one of the clubs that'll be disadvantaged by this because they had a relatively good injury list they had a pretty much a full in a full list available over the preseason um, a couple of minor injuries, but they've been pretty good at managing injuries. This is probably going to invite um, other clubs to catch up to them. And also, um, I don't imagine that any club will come back in perfect condition. Yep. Um, so it probably possibly exposes them to just bad luck. Yep. Um, moving on to Carlton, you want to run us through them? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Carlton's injury list at the time, um, Betts uh, was two to three weeks with a calf. Uh, Harrison McCready was one week with a uh, hamstring Caleb Marchbank one week with a knee Harry McKay two to three weeks with a groin Um, so we expect that all of those guys will be back uh, in time and out of those guys um, Marchbank McKay and probably Betts are all best 22 Um, and then you look at their other players in their injury list that were out for more extended periods and probably won't be back in time Brody Camp definitely won't be back 
um, recovering from a, an ACL. Um, Charlie I mean, Kern. he might, but you know, he he might be getting closer. Um, he's indefinite at the moment. Charlie Kerno also indefinite with a knee. Matty Cruiser twelve to sixteen weeks with a foot injury. Um, like those those three guys, especially, I can't imagine them being back into their side when you come back in. No. Um, and think- in their round one side, they did have Cruiser as well, so uh, their age was <laughs> relatively high because of yeah. him. Yeah. So. Um, I guess running through the the numbers and Carlton's actually quite surprising. They're older than I probably thought they were. Um, yeah, they just got a couple a couple of senior players. Yeah, that, yeah. that, are, that are quite old. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, you cruisers, Murphys, Simpsons, that sort of thing. But um, and that, and remembering they've brought in a lot of mature age players um, over the more recent years as well. So. Yep. Um, I guess their round one team was 25.9 years old and 102.4 games of experience. And we expect um, their round two team to be um, effectively 26.1 years and 107.6 games of experience. So um, they're pretty much the same as they were in round one. Um, I don't think they're going to improve drastically. Uh, they'll bring in uh, Mark Pittenet most likely for Cruiser or potentially DeConning. Um, and then obviously Kerno wasn't available for them and he's the best 22 player. So it means naturally um, another forward, maybe a Setterfield type player um, ends up playing as uh, another forward pushes it like a Mitch McGovern covers Kerno's spot. And so naturally uh, players roll up. Um, if those two were available, they're, Age profile would lift to twenty six point five years and one hundred and sixteen point six games. So, um, massive, massive impact of those two guys. You know, ten games and half a year of experience. Um, yeah, effectively ripped out of your entire best twenty two. Um, and I don't think Carlton will be improved out of this. No, I don't think they will either. Um, and one of the, I guess, the harder things to understand, not understand. Kerno is obviously a big cog for them, but just when you look at Carlton's list, there's just a couple of players in that sort of middle age bracket that are, I guess, neither here nor there, um, like your March Bank types, um, guys like Jack Silvani, who are probably getting towards your 22-23 mark now. Like They're not um, as young as probably I anticipated that they were, Um Oh, yeah, Jack Silvani's 22, so he'll be 23 at the start of next season. Um, so they're guys that have had three to four pre-seasons now, um, and you probably expected more improvement from them across the board, um, which is, I guess, what's holding up their age or making it higher. And when you see the retirements, though, of guys over the, probably the next two years, um, guys like your Murphy, Cruiser, um, Old Lacerno, Betts, um, th- those types of guys, Kate Simpson, um they, they will like those guys are all over 30 you will plummet it back down um so i guess the thing for carlton um is just bringing in more elite talent um so that like getting a getting a good uh, like brody camp is a possible elite talent depending on what happens when he comes back from his knee yeah um but they just need to keep going and getting players like that to make sure that they've got guys to support sam walsh once he's uh, at his peak yeah, and Cripps as well, obviously. So yeah, exactly. I think the Cripper is at where where we'll see him. I, I think that he'll pro- he might get more useful forward 
of center um and he's already pretty useful forward of center um, <laughs> but he might get he might he might improve like his kicking across the course of his career and use his body a bit better um he uses it already very well but you're right when those two guys are at their prime um in that sort of 23 22 to 26 27 sort of era and um, they just need more players to support them then so yeah if i was the blues i'd be um not too worried about the injury list I've, but just getting ready for a hard year if you get back yeah i don't i don't think it's going to be a great year for the blues this year but again we're, we're pretty bullish on their future so um yep uh, moving on to Collingwood, um, I guess uh, I've assumed that probably Dane Beams won't be coming back this season. Was that a safe assumption, uh, John? Yeah, it's it's an assumption. Uh, I mean, I think that's what everyone's assuming at the moment. We were told a few months ago that Dane Beams was retiring, um, and we're still being sort of told the same thing that um, they expect that he retire. But I don't know if that's actually just been updated or that was an assumption at the time. Um, I mean, potentially uh, there's enough time that he could improve on some of the things he needs to improve on, but then whether his fitness can get back to the place that it needs to be to play AFL, that'd be something else. Um, that said, Dane Beams is someone who I'd stick in a forward pocket if he was um, if he put his hand up um, and, he, and he wasn't quite fit yet. He's, he's very good around goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um... But yeah, I think it's probably safe to assume he... he... Yeah, so I, I, just, I reckon you're assuming that him, uh, Levi Greenwood, who's still 15 to 20 weeks away, and Tom Langdon, who doesn't really have a timeline just because of that degenerative knee, um, that you assume that those three players are still out. They were all out for round one. Um, yep. So you assume that they're still out. Uh, Lyndon Dunn, it was three to four weeks away. Nathan Murphy was the same. Um, Travis Farco was three weeks away. So you assume that all of those guys become available. Um, most of them for, for depth, like as in Lyndon Dunn is our depth key defender, but honestly, I'd have him um, in front of Madgen at the moment. Um, Lyndon Dunn's kick is better uh, and his, I guess his leadership on field is great as well. Um, so it's possible that he slots back into the best 22. Nathan Murphy, another good depth player, is sort of a forward or a back uh, Varco, I think, is in our best 22. Um, yep. I lo- love his pressure and his impact. Um, Trelaw, Marty Scharenberg, who was on the injury list but available, uh, and Ben Reed, who was to be confirmed. I think that I think you have to assume that they're probably all ready by that stage, yep. given that um, uh, we, don't, we haven't heard anything different. The only one I'd probably worry about is Ben Reed um, with the TBC, but he played preseason games. Um, it wasn't talked about as being a big injury when he did go down. So I would have thought that all of those guys would be available and that uh, two of the three will probably be best 22. I'd say that you play one of Reed or Scharenberg um, and Trelaw is definitely... And yeah, well, Trelaw is 100%. Um, maybe not 100%. Trelaw is 100%. And then two... Uh, of Varco, Scharenberg, and Ben Reed. Yep, which is me. which is precisely what I've got. So, yeah, um, at round one you were you were twenty six point four years and one hundred and five point six games, um, assuming you know three of those four come back in. Um, as you've said, um, you your age doesn't shift a lot. You you push up to twenty six point eight, but your games of experience really pumps up about twenty games, so one hundred twenty six point one games, which is fantastic. So. I definitely think your round two side improves versus a round one side. 
Um, obviously, yeah. not having Greenwood and Langdon and Beams um, is still a significant gap to your best 22 being available. So it's about a year of age and 11 games of experience. So um, there's certainly scope there for if if um, Langdon can get his knee right or if Dane Beams is able to... to um, get into a, a good space where he can return to football and it be a positive experience for him. Um, you know, there's a lot of scope there for Collingwood to really improve. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think you're probably you, yourself and Adelaide so far are the two teams that have definitely improved. Yeah. And I'd say that just when you look at the, the probably the scope of improvement was higher um, given that, Trelaw is one of the better players in the competition uh, when yeah. he when he's up. Um, top and just the fact, comfortably. Yeah, exactly. Say so, say so he's a top twenty, top twenty five player in the comp um, as far as midfield and impact goes. Um, and when you when you consider that and, and the fact that he now has a a perfect timeline to do a proper hamstring recovery rather than like a you the season has started. There's no VFL. Um, and it's going to take him two to three weeks, and then we're going to have to impact his uh, time per game as we build him back up. This way, it'll allow him to do a proper recovery. He'll get all the rest and the massage and the work that he needs through it before he builds his fitness back up to game level. So I think that, um, yeah, we we definitely benefit from it a lot. Yep. Uh, Moving on to Essendon, um, you want to run through the injuries, mate? I do, so badly. Um, (laughs) But... Patrick, uh, Paddy Ambrose was four to six weeks away. Uh, Joe Danaher was indefinite with a groin. Draper was seven, um, five to seven weeks away. Uh, Heppel was to be confirmed. Hooker was avail- available. Um, McKernan was available. Um, and then some of the guys who were still developing, Lockie Johnson, Noah Gown, were both indefinite. Um, oh, Lockie Johnson, yeah, it's season. So um, both won't, won't be back, but they probably wouldn't be in consideration anyway. So the Essendon benefit, it's just a, it's going to be interesting to see whether um, in that sort of four to six week mark, whether your Ambrose type of player can get back, yep. uh, whether whether that TBC on Heppel um, comes up as, as positive. Uh, uh, and Heppel's primed by the looks of things. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, that's good. So Heppel, uh, Heppel back in and whether Danaher um, also can get his screen right by that time. I mean, when I sort of saw the season start, I was assuming that Danaher was potentially not going to be back into the late rounds of the season anyway. So I don't yeah. think that he'll be back, but uh, I reckon that Ambrose could. It's it's just a 50-50 at the moment. Um, yeah. and I think that he probably gets his spot back as well. But I mean, again, 50-50 for me. Yeah. So I guess with Ambrose, he's got you know four to six weeks plus you need a couple of weeks of training to come back from a knee properly. Um, yep. So I've I've assumed that maybe with the round two game he probably won't be in, but he'll be very soon after that. Uh, yep. I've, I've taken Joe Danaher out on the basis that I, I don't think he'll be available. Um, we haven't got any. I guess we don't have any more information um, available to us that says that Joe is likely to return at the end of this. Um, hopefully, he can return this season. So. Um, round one, Essendon was 24.9 years old and 81.8 games of experience. And assuming um, uh, Heppel and Hooker and McKernan are all available um, out of the best 22 there, um, excluding Danaher and Ambrose, with Ambrose being a 50-50, uh, 
um, their side will be 26.1 years old and 102 games of experience, which significant improvement for them. Um, I think we were all, uh, in round one, I think we were all thinking potentially um, Essendon could cop a bit of a hiding because they were definitely had a lot of injuries. Um, they certainly, uh, I mean, up against Fremantle, who... Um, I wish I kind of had probably looked at the data a bit more closely um, before that game because Fremantle are very surprisingly young and we'll discuss them up next. Um, but yeah, they're, they're shockingly young in comparison. Like I, I look at 24.9 and 81 games as being a very young and inexperienced side on the field, but um, Fremantle were drastically younger um, and drastically yeah. less experienced um, in round one. So Essendon got the win, which is great. And um, I think that, yeah, they'll definitely improve out of this. They're going to be one of the big beneficiaries. Even having two people remain on their injury list, I still think they're going to benefit heaps just with yeah, I, Heppel and stuff. And I think time benefits them as well uh, because they rushed a lot of people back for that sort of round one. They had people coming off surgeries. They had a lot of things that weren't in an ideal position yet for them, um, whereas time uh, gives them time it gives them all time to like like with Collingwood um it gives them all time to recover properly even if they were coming in at 80 percent it gives them time to get to 100 percent um or what however higher percentage you can get to whether no one will be at 100 percent and everyone will come back at 90 uh but it, it just gives them time to level the playing field and come back properly from their injuries yeah absolutely um, moving on to Fremantle now. Yeah, the team that are up next, Fremantle, go for it, mate. Yep. So, um, oh, mate, I'll let you run through the injuries. You're doing a good job. I'm, I'm wasting time on the injuries. So you run through them and I'll, <laughs> I'll slice it. Uh, yeah, you're, you're good at the data. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I'll stick to the words. You, you're the numbers. So <laughs> uh, Blake Akers, hamstring, TBA. I reckon that Akers will probably be back. Yep. Um, I mean, it was considered a bad hamstring, but... Uh, he did that in like the in between the first and the second preseason game, I think, or at the end of the first preseason game. So, I think having eight weeks to recover from a bad hamstring is plenty. Um, yeah, so I think he'll be back. Uh, Steven Gyro uh, was twelve weeks. It's arguable as to whether he was in the best twenty-two anyway, um, or like just sort of an in the mix type of player. Hamling TBA with an ankle. Um, I reckon that Hamling can also be back. Uh, Stephen Hill with a quad. I reckon that all of those guys have enough time to come back from their injuries. It's just whether they all come up in time. Um, but as far as the standard hamstring, ankle, and quad go, uh, they should and could all be back. Um, Jesse Hogan was indefinite with mental health issues. Um, we can touch on that again. Uh, but I think it's similar similar to a Beams, but a slightly better condition in terms of just the time in his career left. Um, so Hogan has a lot more years to sort of beat the demons um, that he has, uh, and he definitely has them. So it, he needs the time, and potentially something like this can actually help. Um, just practicing social distancing, and, and, and he'll also get all the, the help that he needs from proper specialists over this time, so the health stuff won't stop. Um, but potentially... Um, some of the other stuff will, so it'll just actually give him the space to get better. Um, Alex Pierce, uh, one week, it'd be good to have him back. He's a he's a very important player for Frio. Uh, Swatowski was a TBA again. I'm not sure if he was best 22 anyway. Probably no, around the fringes. Probably and, not. Probably not. Um, Nathan Wilson was definitely, and he's one week away. He was one week away, so he'll be back. Um, 
It also has... So some of the players... That, I don't think they had um, Mundy on their injury list, but Mundy was injured and didn't play in round one. Uh, but I have a feeling that Mundy will be back as well. Yep, absolutely. So I guess looking at the, the age profiles... Um, Probably just something of note is Fremantle's very young this year. Um, I, I really think we have to adjust our expectations on Fremantle. Um, and it's my bad for not looking at this data early enough. But um, their, their entire list profile is 23.4 years and 51.8 games. So that's across their full 40-odd players or whatever that is, um, which would put them inside the, the bottom few in the AFL. Um, two. Yeah, the bottom yeah. two. Um, second youngest list in the AFL. Yeah, so you know, it's it's a very young side. Now, moving on to what they put out in round one, and remember us for saying that you know um, we thought Essendon was young at twenty four point nine and eighty one point eight games. Um, the Dockers were twenty four years flat and fifty eight point seven games. So they're giving away, you know, uh, thirteen games and almost a full year of experience um, in that round one, which makes the fact that they. Um, came very close to, to beating Essendon. Um, uh, very impressive. Uh, so yeah. Um, but then I guess moving forward now, uh, after the the COVID lockdown ends, we're expecting in round two that they'll only be missing Jesse Hogan. Um, so in terms of their age and games profile, they'll be twenty five point six years, so one point six years older than they were, and ninety four point nine games. So almost, uh, you know, 36, 37-ish games of experience added there. So that's your Mondays and those guys who all missed in, in round one. And um, Yeah, you so know, uh, just, 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 just touching on it before we... Um, yeah, exactly. I think it's huge too. Um, I've just read a, a more recent article um, on Jesse Hogan's mental health. Yep. Um, and they said that he's... Uh, progressing well um, by all accounts um, so he seems in good spirits had some good conversations with the coach ready to do some training on his own which is I guess a better position than what he was in um, so I guess this isolation is probably potentially benefiting somebody like him who has all the right support mechanisms in place and, and this sort of thing can actually help in a way yeah. Um and they did say that uh, they'll everyone will be resuming, um, maybe even Hamling. So Hamling is potentially still a chance to miss, but um, it looks like all of those other guys will be in the frame. Yep. So I think for for Fremantle is a big beneficiary of this for sure. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Very, very, um, very, very much. They'll they'll come out of this in a in a good spot. So uh, up next is Geelong, mate. Run us off with the injuries. So yeah, Geelong is next. Um, Cockatoo was two to three weeks away from with a hamstring injury, but that's um, it's hard to say with Cockatoo because I'd <laughs> say that he's all he's always two to three weeks away from coming back or two to three weeks away from injuring a, a soft tissue thing, and, the, and that's sort of been one of the harder things about his career is that his promise for that Geelong team has been huge. Um, I think that they would have gone deeper in finals, potentially made another grand final had he reached. Um, even 80% of his potential but stayed on the park um, whereas he's always been sort of injured every time they've gone for a finals campaign so hopefully he is back College Asney uh, was two to four weeks away the Jake variety there um, and I think that he'll be back Kruger was one to two weeks away I mean when I say back I mean back in the AFL side Kruger was one to two weeks away um, so he'll be back in time uh, and he's a good depth player 
I think that he's a high potential player, so I don't mean depth is in. Um, he's only going to be a depth player, but I think given Geelong's depth in tools at the moment with... Um, What's his name that I used from Adelaide before? Uh, Jenkins coming into the side and um, the fact that he wasn't able to make the side in round one. I'd say that he'll be back for next round, but I'd say that Kruger still doesn't make the side. Um, Stephen Okunbo, I think he's um, Stefan. I think he's the um, Irishman um, or he's a he's a Category B rookie. Uh, he's indefinite anyway, so he won't be back. And Stephen was soreness. He'll be available. Yep. Um, so in round one, the Mighty Catters were 26.9 years old and 126 games of experience. So they were a very experienced side. Um, and the addition of uh, Jack Stephen um, and some others will only make them more experienced. Um, so we're expecting them to come out of this with no injury list. And so their best 22 available is 27.8 years old and 145.6 games of experience. So um, big beneficiary um, on the fact that they're basically going to grab 20 games of experience and a, and a year of experience there um, between what was in round one and what they'll potentially be able to line up in round two with. Um, yeah. I have excluded actually Cockatoo uh, from the best 22 on the fact that every time I've picked him in the best 22, he's done an injury. So I'm trying to break the yeah. curse. So yeah, that makes fin- sense. Fingers crossed for him. He hasn't been selected on the basis that I don't want to curse him. <laughs> two, so two two players back um, from injury and potentially other, another one or two back from just changes to the best 22 side. Yeah. Um, so maybe Stanley back in the ruck um, yeah, so Stanley, instead of Fort, Stanley which was a surprise, um, and potentially Jenkins back in that side. I'm not actually sure whether he fits in their best 22 or not. Um, oh, that'd be interesting to see. I think Jenkins definitely is best twenty-two over Radigalia. Oh, so do I. Um, but the, that's not what Brad Scott picked, um, and uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see over time. Um, be interesting to see how they line up. They've got a, a long time, obviously, to adjust. Everybody does, but um, I'd say that they would have probably been disappointed with round one, um, losing by thirty odd points to the Giants with a pretty experienced side. Yeah, yeah, and they and they. We're more experienced than the Giants by an order of about twenty games. So yeah, and I think so the, that, I mean, are the Giants up. No, the Giants are after Gold Coast. So yeah, we'll speak about the Giants in two teams' time. Yeah. Um. So Gold Coast Suns. Um. Looking at their injury list. Uh. Charlie Ballard was six to eight weeks away, so he would be in the frame now. Yeah. Um. And he was probably well. He was best twenty-two by the end of the year. Yeah, um, but I think he and, drops out with other players coming back now. So Collins and um. Thompson Homsch. and all that will be available. Homsch. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Probably okay, so Hanley, Hanley was a test. Harbrow was a test. Homsch was a test. Miles was to be concerned and uh, to be confirmed, not concerned. <laughs> uh, don't need to be conf- don't need to be concerned about him. Um, will Powell with a knee was six to eight weeks away. So he'll be back in the frame again. Um, Isaac Rankin was a test, but he'll be back in the team. You would say. Um, and Mitch Reardon did an ACL which is pretty hard for him um, you know, he was a mid-season draft pick from last year and then doing an ACL taking him out for the year so be interesting to see how he recovers Alex Sexton was two, uh, one or two weeks with a hamstring he'll be fine and Rory Thompson was a test so really um, as much as I always expect the Gold Coast Suns will lose most games um, I think a few people tipped them for round one thinking that they would come back Looking just at their experience on that injury list, um, all of them being one to two weeks away or a test, um, 
you would think that they're going to be a better team in round two. Yep, you're spot on, John. So that first round, um, the people tipping them, they were definitely seeing the sunshine and the, and the positive uh, rays that were coming out of it. Um, but unfortunately, they were 23.2 years old, the youngest team in the AFL um, that round, and they were 56.3 games of experience. So I think they were the least experienced as well. Um Assuming all these players are available, and a lot of them are best 22, so um, Hanley, fully fit, Harbrow, uh, Homsch, uh, Rankin, Sexton, and Rory Thompson are all best 22. Um, yep. That lifts their average age up to 25, so a whopping 1.8 years older, and their games experience jumps to 83. So, you know, we're talking close to 30 games there of experience that's come back into the side. So um, they will absolutely be better. Um, I still think they're probably going to lose a lot of a lot of games. But that said, yeah. they're in a better spot than they were. Like their round one team was younger than their overall list average age, and yeah. it was only marginally more experienced than their overall average list experience, which is twenty three point four years and fifty one games for those playing at home. So um, <laughs> they certainly came out in that first round in, I guess, a very um, unique position because I can't think of many other sides that would be like that. That would go in with the best 22 younger than their average age. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I can't remember having seen that uh, before. So it might just be like sort of an interesting, um, not a glitch, but a, an interesting point just because of the fact that every one of those players on their injury list was like a senior player with yeah. the exception of Rankin um, who plays like a senior player yeah. <laughs> um, so it, they'll definitely improve um, looking at the Giants uh, Matty Flynn was TBC with a knee probably not best 22 anyway Adam Kennedy TBC with a hamstring he is best 22 so he'll probably be back uh, Xavier O'Halloran was 2 to 3 weeks Tommy Sheridan 2 to 3 weeks Zach Sprawl 3 to 5 weeks all will probably be back but all will probably be depth yeah um, Callum Ward, three to five weeks. He's probably the only one um, that, that and should Zach be. Williams. Zach Williams is a test. Sorry, I, I didn't see him there. Um, but Zach Williams and, and Callum Ward will probably be right in the frame to come back in that round one team or round two team. Um, and just the, the time has sort of improved the horizon for how early Toronto can come back in the season, um, given that it was a four to five month injury. So now it's looking like a two to three month um Layoff. So he's still returning late in the season, um, but a pretty important cog to come back. Yep, and I guess what that does to them is they were 25.8 years old and 102 games of experience in round one. Um, round two, we're expecting 26.6 and 117 games there. So that's Warden Williams to come back in um, for those and probably Adam Kennedy as well. Um, and I guess adding in Tim Taranto, um, it... it doesn't make a huge difference to their average age. Um, it jumps them up by 0.1, so 26.7, um, and adds three games of experience. But I think the fact that um, you're bringing in a guy who's one of best and fairest and is a is a probably in your top 10 players, um, and you'll be dropping out your 23rd best player. Um, that's where the benefit there is for for GWS. So. Um, overall, in terms of when they come back out of this with just the one injury to Tim Taranto in all likelihood, um, they're certainly a more improved side coming into round two um, by having Callan Ward and Zach Williams and Adam Kennedy back in the side. So 
yeah, um, scary prospect considering they they beat Geelong pretty comfortably um, in the end, and um, they're just going to get better out of that. Yeah, yeah, no, they will. Um, so, yeah, the Giants. I mean, the Giants for me are the team to beat this year. Giants in Richmond, but Giants probably in terms of um, the sheer scariness of the talent on the list. I know talent doesn't mean everything, but I'm. Um, I, I'm less scared of a perfect Richmond than I am of a perfect Giants. Um, I'd say that a, it's, it's as stupid as that sounds, a perfect Giants, I think, are the most undefeatable team, um, whereas a perfect Richmond uh, are not... Um, I mean, everyone, if they're perfect, is is, um, is perfect. But, I mean, uh, if you play a perfect Collingwood versus a perfect Richmond, I'd say you're, you're in a sort of like a 50-50 um, same with like a perfect Geelong versus those two teams, but I say the Giants are better than them all if if they're playing at their very best. Yep, agreed. On to Hawkers. Hawkers. Yep, uh, Gold's out for the season. Um, there was TBCs on uh, both Impy and Howe um, and Poppolo, um, Poppy the King, um, and then nine weeks for Hardwick. Uh, Kaczynski was two to three weeks. Mitch Lewis was a test, and Josh Morris was three to five weeks. So I'd say that Morris, Kaczynski, Golds probably weren't in the selection frame anyway. Um, Lewis is probably in. Well, he probably gets picked. Um, yep. I'd say he gets picked. Poppy sort of on the fringes. Um, uh, Impy and Hardwick get picked, and Howe is on the fringes. So. I'd say that the the break gives them all a good chance to recover. Whether Hardwick and Impey recover in time um, is sort of what we'll see. Yep, um, I think Dan Howe probably is best twenty two um, on the on the very back end of it as well. But um, yeah, I think he's the best twenty two player. Uh, round one, they were twenty eight point one years old and one hundred and forty four point two games of experience. Um, their round two side will be pretty much the same. Um, Obviously, we've we've excluded uh, Hardwick, Howe, and Impey from the side. Um, their best twenty-two is twenty-eight point two years old and one hundred and forty-eight games of experience. So, realistically, um, the Hawks, in terms of experience, they don't get much better than what they were in round one. So, I think the Hawks we saw in round one will be the Hawks that we get in round two. Um, obviously, very experienced. Obviously, very um, dangerous. Um, as what they are, even though they are aging, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be. I think they're going to be a real tough team out of this um, out of this extended layoff. I think they're probably one of the the teams to benefit the most, just simply because um, they do just have that experience, and a lot of their players have um, the discipline and the and the training. Um, yeah, habits. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. The dis- the discipline. The experienced coach. Um, so there was one thing I was listening to on the coach podcast, um, which was Damian Barrett and I think Ross Lyon, um, sort of talking about the teams that will benefit most, most or the coaches that will be the most able to handle it, and they are the more experienced coaches. Um, so the sides with experienced coaches will probably come out of it easier, and the sides that are inexperienced will take it a little bit harder. Um, so Hawks are definitely a team to watch. I also think they're a team to watch because... Um, as much as Impy and Hardwick are role players, um, the Hawks thrive on role players. So if they get two to three role players back, I'd say that they become a real worry for a lot of teams at the top. They, they sort of jump into the top eight frame, whereas 
when we were looking at them missing the eight at the start of the year, I was expecting Hardwick and Impey both not to be back until after the bye. Yep, yep. And I think with, you know, probably like we've said out of this, um, I guess we feel, and we don't know, this is all guesswork, but we feel that the teams with um, more experience and more, uh, like I guess an older list, they're the ones that are going to benefit the most because they've they've got the the AFL routine down pat. So therefore, to naturally um, train by yourself for for six to eight weeks um, before you come back to clubland and the condition that you return to clubland in, um, I guess our assumption is generally in the older players is going to be better than the younger players. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a generalisation and we understand that, but it's, I guess it's important that we feel that that's probably the way it's going to break. Um, up next, Melbourne. Melbourne. Let's shoot. Um, Harley Bernal, Calf, TBC, Mitch Hannon, Groin, TBC, Kate Kolejesny, Concussion, TBC, Harry Petty, Groin, TBC. Thanks, Melbourne, for the context on those injuries. Um, We're good with this. Ha- yeah, I know. Uh, they could all be one week. They could all be 15 weeks. Um, Harry Petty, groin. Um, I've already said him, TBC. Uh, Braden Bruce, knee, two to four weeks. Christian Salem, glandular fever, test. Aaron Vandenberg, foot, 12 weeks. So, you assume, look, I only, I'm assuming that Vandenberg's not back. Bernal is not back uh, just because of how long it's taken him to get to fitness. Um, and Kola Jasny is not back with a concussion. I think he's struggling yep. um, in general. Uh, Hannon, I like, and I hope that he's back in your best 22. Um, Pruce is definitely a good fringe player, um, providing as probably takes Jackson's spot um, when he's fit because he can play forward and rack chop out. Um, and Salem, Tess is Salem's a lock for the best 22. Yep, yep. So, Van, so I guess the thing is, is Vandenberg's probably fringe 22 at the moment, just given all the injuries. Um I think a fit Benel is the best 22 player, but I haven't included him in the analysis like Vandenberg um, and College Ashney is the same. I think Melbourne with College Ashney had already ruled him out for the season effectively. Um, yeah. They're just trying to take the pressure off him and let him get himself right um, and return to footy yep. if possible. Um, and Benel was obviously always a long game. I guess to Melbourne's benefit, um, the layoff potentially will allow us to get more of Bernal if he can get back. Yeah. Um, and it will reduce the impact of Vandenberg's foot injury. So he'll probably only miss three or four weeks um, with the foot. But um, again, I haven't included them inside the best 22, I guess two of them because they are generally not best 22 and Vandenberg just because he's probably more fringe at the moment so round one they were 25.2 years old um, and 87.8 games of experience round two we're expecting them to go to 25.6 and 100 and 102 games of experience so um, you know 14 15 games worth of experience and half a year um, in in a jump is is good um, and that's probably about as good as Melbourne's best 22 really gets um, unless, I guess, Bernal and Vandenberg can get themselves into a spot where they are cementing themselves as best 22 players. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, no, I, I, I think Melbourne improves, but not, not a great deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm same. I, I don't think they're advantaged by the break. I think they were looking in pretty good shape coming into round one. 
Um, with the exception of Gorn, probably getting a bit more time to recover. Yeah. Um, North Melbourne um, now. So Paul Ahern was the TBC. Luke Davies, Uniac, TBC. Kyron Hayden was seven to nine weeks. Flynn Perez was seven to nine weeks. Kane Turner was seven to nine weeks. Ben Jacobs, TBC. Edward Vickers Willis, TBC. Uh, Jack Zebel TBC. I think that he was more TBC just because he was a new concern. Um, uh, Josh Walker was a test with concussion. That was awesome the way that he went back with the flight, um, but he got he landed on his head pretty bad. Um, he went forward with the flight. He just landed on his head. Um, and Marley Williams was suspended, so he's will still not be in the side um, because there's no games played. So he'll return in round three. Yeah. Um, but looking at that, they probably improve a little bit. Um, I'd say that it's just more time for Walker to come back from his concussion, Zebul to get his knee right because he probably would have missed, Turner to get close to selection because when he is fit, he's probably on that fringe, uh, and Davies Uniac um, time to get his groin right to to be in the frame for best twenty two as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably benefits Davies Uniac the most, um, given he was probably looking at missing the season. Um, yeah. I think if the season runs late, he potentially can come back towards, you know, maybe September-ish type area. Um, Zeeble's an interesting one. Um, I guess we just haven't had an update on how bad his injury is um, and whether he needs surgery or not. Um, They thought it was a medial ligament, um, but, you know, medials are anything from four weeks to to 10 weeks, and if they need surgery, it pushes out to 12. So... um, It'd be nice to have a bit more information, but we've only got the TBC. So for the purposes of uh, analysis, Zebul was excluded um, from the next game. Um, and yep. He's really the only best 22 player I've excluded. Um, so coming in round one, they were 26.2 years and 108.6 games of experience. Um, round two, we're looking at them um, pretty much the same in uh, age profile and games profile. So no real change for them. Um, and I guess when Zebul comes back to illustrate his impact, he lifts the average age only by 0.2 years, but he lifts the average games by almost 10. So um, it's a big impact if they can get him back. Um, so I guess out of... He's captain too, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess out of the... Um, out of the buy, uh, out of the COVID stuff for them, I would say if Zebul plays round two, um, they're a definitely improved side. If he doesn't, I don't think they're improved at all. Um, and in fact, you know, marginally going backwards for that. Um, yeah. It's just whether they would have been backwards for eight weeks um, and instead they'll only be backwards for one to two. Yeah. Um, and th- that's sort of the biggest thing with a lot of these is that and I think, just the le- length of injuries... Yeah, and I think you've that. hit the. I think you've hit it on the head. Um, it would have been backwards for eight weeks, but now, yeah. you'd say the impact. So, do they benefit out of it? Absolutely. Are they better side round two? Probably not. So, it's it's kind of a catch twenty two with them, but certainly, yeah. they are yeah, going exactly. to be a beneficiary of it. Where it's, it's like I think the Brisbane are a better side round two, but I don't think they benefit at all. Um, I think they go backwards, yep. um, just just based on everybody else catching. Yep. Um, so moving on to the most vague injury list of all, uh, Port Adelaide. <laughs> you so just want to read Ollie Wines, the TBCs? I will. Ollie Wines is three to five weeks, so he'll be back. Everybody else, uh, Jack Watts, Jake Patmore, Jackson Mead, Hamish Hartlett, Riley Grundy, Will Drew, Charlie Dixon, Riley Bonner, all TBC. Out of that, 
Willem Drew had foot surgery, so I assume that he's probably going to be the one that takes the longer to come back. I reckon everybody else will be back, though. What are your, what are your thoughts, Sean? Yep, absolutely spot on, mate. Um, I think that sounds pretty much what we've been told, um, and given that we've been told pretty much nothing, um, that's all we can really go off. So um, in terms of their, uh, their age profile and games profile, round one they were 25.9 and 108 games. And then round two, we're expecting them to lift marginally to 26.1, but increase games by nine to 117. So um, I think the round two side's probably going to be better than their round one side, um, especially with the addition of, of Ollie Wines um, and potentially um, Jack Watts there as well. So um, I'd say that, yeah, if you go Ollie Wines, Charlie Dixon, uh, Hamish Hartlett, and Jack Watts. Those guys are all walk-up starts for free uh, for Port. Yeah, but I think uh, Dixon played round one, and I think Hartlett did as well. So, um, yeah, so those guys. Um, Do, I don't think Dixon did play round one, mate. It was. Um, I think it was Todd Marshall. Uh, I thought Dixon played because he was in the isolation crew. I'm, I'm almost sure that he didn't play. Because that was one of the reasons we were talking about um, what's his the, oh, yeah. the young kid. Yeah, he didn't play. He yeah, he didn't play. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so right. he'll be back as well. But, I yeah. mean, he would have been back in a week's time, so it's not a big difference. No, no. So, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, Ollie Wines, Jack Watson, and Dixon all there make a big difference. Um, I think Hartlett picked up a niggle in that match. Um against Gold Coast as well. So um, I think that'll be, um, yeah, he did. So that'll be a beneficiary to him as well to basically mean he doesn't miss any matches even though he's he's um, tweaked his quad. Um, but, yeah, I think yep. we're looking at uh, close to full strength going into, well, they will be full strength in my opinion, going into round two, which is good. So they're definitely a beneficiary off, off this um, enforced break because they get back um, four best 22 players. Yeah, very, very handy. Um, and I think we're looking forward now to Richmond. So uh, Hooley was TVC um, and Vlossom was one to two weeks away. I'd say that both of those guys are back. Uh, and given both of those guys to back, they've got another two of their best 22 players, both in their defense as well, which makes them a lot stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess in terms of... Experience and age, um, Hawley is definitely uh, a big factor in this one. Um, they go from 26.2 years in round one to an expected 26.6, um, and their ga- average games lifts from 112 to 122, so plus 10 and plus half a year. So, that, I mean, look, it's Richmond. Can they can they really keep getting better and better? Um, out of this, they're certainly... They didn't have a big injury list, but they're going to have pretty much no injury... Well, they have no injury list, and they've had no people coming off significant injuries. So no one's done a medial, no one's done a PCL, no one's broken a foot, no one's... You know, we're talking, you know, Vlosten um, uh, was out for concussion, um, which is good because your brain actually... His brain will actually get the proper amount of rest, which uh, the experts are now saying is 28 days, not 10. Um just so the AFL will have to have a look at that at the end of the year. Um, and Basher Hooley um, had a calf injury, so he'll be able to actually get that right. So, um, yeah, I think Richmond just gets better. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, moving on to the Saints, Gresham was a knee, um, Ben Long with a foot. So they had a pretty light injury list anyway. Yep. Um, both were minor injuries. Um, I'd say that they'll be fine. I mean, they're probably disadvantaged because they were in a good shape beforehand. Yep, so if the, the pack catches them. Um, so they're disadvantaged overall. They'll basically, round one, they were 25.2 years in 90 games of experience. They'll be 25.8 years and 103 games of experience. So they do get a bit of experience back um, in that round two side. Um, but that said, um, I, I think given the list was in a reasonably good shape, the rest of the pack catches them. So um, I would yeah. be probably Sorry, Saints. interchanging them with the Hawks, I guess, out of this. Um, yeah, I- the Saints lost that round one game as well, didn't they, to North? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, uh, Saints. Uh, or, or I mean, losers matches. I, one of the things that could potentially benefit from is just the additional time um, bonding between players. So even though you won't be physically in the same room, being able to have Zoom calls and everything just to continue to integrate all of the new players um, will be important um, because you got to you got to win those games if you want to be competing at the the sticky end of the year. Yep. Um, Moving on to the Swans, Franklin was two to three weeks away. Um, he'll probably be back, but two to three weeks with Franklin could be two to three weeks when he gets back as well. Two to three um, Lewis, Yeah, exactly. It's a tub with Franklin. He'll be back, though, I think. Um, Malikin was one to two weeks away. He'll be back. Sam Reed, similar to Franklin. Injuries are really hard to judge, but I'd say that they'll, I'd say they'll all be back. Yep, um, and they'll just be better because they've got Franklin and Reed back in their side, so... Um, they go from 24.4 years old and 77 games of ex- 78 games of experience to 25 years old, so a lift of 0.6, and they'll be 97 games of experience, so almost yeah, 20 so games. 20, 20, yeah, 20 games gained, and when you talk 20 games, they're pretty impressive games when you talk about Franklin. Um, yeah. So he's a, still at his age, I think he's 34 now. Um, yeah. Uh, or 33, but still very, very impactful. Yeah, and, and look, I think that the Swans will be a better side. However, I don't think they're going to get better results. I, uh, their round one victory, I think, is um, is not going to be a highlight of this season, but I think they're going to be a bit few and far between this year. Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. I, I don't think the Swans are... They're in sort of that Adelaide mix yep. where they're sort of young and sort of old. Um they're probably the players that are winning them games now and aren't going to be the players playing in the next finals um, campaign or deep finals campaign, but yeah. um, they're still competitive for now. Yep. West Coast, um, Jared Cameron, four to six weeks, Tom Cole, four to six weeks, Luke Foley, TBC, Daniel Venable's season. So probably, um, I mean, Oscar Allen comes back, so he was missed there around one side, but he was probably going to come back immediately anyway. Uh, and Cameron and Cole are both back. So Cameron and Cole are both between 18 and 28 on their list um, as far as skilled players. I say when they're fully up and firing, neither of them in there in their best 22. Yep. Um, but they're, they're good depth players to have. So I say based on the list, the injury position they were in, they go backwards versus the pack, but their experience um, and age profile across the board means that they'll be well-placed to return pretty well. Yep, absolutely. I think they're going to win a lot of matches. So uh, what the data is showing us, there's not a lot of change in average age, 27 years old for both round two and round one pretty much, uh, 0.1 difference, so not a lot. Um, And then in terms of games experience, it's plus six. So 130 
uh, games in round one and 136 in round two is what we expect. It's so. a huge amount of games. <laughs> 130 games on average is massive. It's massive, um, yeah. Uh, the average average of every single player on your side is that they played 100 games and there are not that many people that make it to 100. Exactly. Um, so, so, yeah, they're they're pretty well placed. I didn't realise how... Um, I guess I realised that they were old, but they're doing really well across yeah. the board. Well, Rich, um, Richmond, who are the reigning premiers, are 122 in their best side. I think it's really only Hawthorne... Um, uh, above them, 100 and, 148 for Hawthorne. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, 145. And, for and Hawthorne would probably be uh, Hawthorne would probably be under 100 without Silk as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, Collingwood, 130, uh, 137. Just as so, a, they're they're all the clubs in the window as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just putting them smack where they need to be. Um, so the Western dogs. Bulldogs. Yeah, sorry. Um, I had cats and dogs scratching at the door. I'm supposed to be downstairs giving them food. Um, so Taylor Duray, three to five weeks. Riley Garcia, indefinite. Uh, he won't be back. He's probably not in the best 22 anyway. Uh, Pat Lipinski was available from a concussion. Tom Libertore, knee one week. Ling Jong, hamstring, three to five weeks. Riley West, five to seven weeks. So for them, they probably get two best 22 players back yep. um, maybe three so um, I think Lipinski um, and Liberatore were both available anyway back then so the play like they probably get either well they get Duray um, and maybe Ling Jong depending on where they're sort of sitting um, yep. but I'd say that they get at least one to two players back Yep, absolutely, and that's reflected in the numbers. So I think, yeah, um, round one, they were 25.1 years old and 80.3 games of experience. We're expecting round two for them to be 26.2 and 101 games of experience, um, and that's pretty much their best 22 um, available there. So they definite beneficiaries off the end of this. Um, they'll come back with probably their best side on the park, and they're probably one of... Uh, I guess nine sides, as we identified, who are likely to to have um, their best twenty-two available to them when all this ends, as we if if it ends in eight weeks, as we expect. So, yeah, um, and the the fact the fact that you get a twenty-game jump as well. Um, did you you already gone through the games? Yeah, yep, yeah. So a twenty a twenty-game jump in um, experience. Any team that has a twenty-game jump in experience is doing really well. Um, and experience is all important for the dogs because they're a relatively still a younger side of the competition to be competing. Um, so they need all of that experience if they're going to be competitive. Um, but I, look, I sorry to have to wrap this one up quickly. I have to go. Um, but uh, give us your two cents quickly. My two cents is that the I mean we talked through them, but the teams um, that were are getting back guns or people that were missing a large portion of time so uh ollie wines jack zebel um adam trelaw uh callum ward um all of these kind of guys that were going to be probably taking another three to five weeks and are captains or best players in the club um I think that Frio get like three or four best 22 players back. Yep. Gold Coast, same, like five or six best 22 players back. Any team that's bringing in, like it's effectively clearing big injury lists. Um, so if you had a big injury list, you're in it, you're advantaged. And if you had a very small injury list, then you're disadvantaged. So 
um that's that's the quickest way to summarize it but um it's not it's not as simple as that um it also the more experienced teams um will benefit from the break um they'll, they'll just be able to deal with it better um so when you look at both of those things combined uh, a team like Collingwood benefits a lot because they're experienced and they had a big injury list yep. um Hawthorne. so it's yeah, Hawthorne experienced and a big injury list. So I say those two teams and Giants um, experienced reasonable size injury lists. So I say that those three teams um, benefit the most, um, whereas a team like Gold Coast are still highly inexperienced and still unlikely to improve drastically. And Carl- Carlton and probably St Kilda are the two ones that I look at as being big losers out of the situation. Yeah, yeah, Carlton, St Kilda, um, Brisbane, probably Adelaide. Um, they had pretty good injury lists as it was, um, and yeah, it unfortunately just means that everyone catches them and and they don't gain players back very quickly because they had injuries that are going to be season long um, and they're still going to be season long, unfortunately. So, yeah, um, I mean, is that that sort of aligned with what you're thinking? Yeah, I um, think you wrapped up really off. well. So um, I'll let you escape the podcast. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you as always, mate. Appreciate all your amazing work in putting this together and and um yeah hopefully everyone's enjoyed listening to this one it's definitely uh cranked out a bit further than we thought it would but it's been a good one yeah uh, thanks thanks for listening again guys and thanks sean i always enjoy these so i'll chat to you soon mate all right catch you bye bye if you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen you're not alone One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.